When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzie Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com, and I aim to be your boss's worst nightmare. Hey there, how are you doing? It's Monday the 15th of August here, 2016, and it's a beautiful day. Obviously, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but I hope it's a beautiful day where you are. Well, if it's not, let's make it a beautiful day, yeah? Now, the date will tell you that at the moment, in real time for me, the Olympics are going on in Rio, and I love the Olympics. I, I think I've mentioned this before. I mean, my first memory of the Olympics was back way back in 1964 in the Tokyo Olympics, and I was fascinated. In fact, it was watching Lynn Davis, a, a Welsh athlete, win uh, gold in the long jump for, for the UK. And I was, what, six years old back then. It was Lynn, Lynn Davis winning gold in the long jump that triggered an interest in long jump for me, and that became my summer sport when I was at school. But that's a long, long time ago, and uh, gosh, I could uh, I could barely jump three feet, <laughs> three feet now probably. But uh, hey, I'll give it a try again one day. Maybe I'll enter a seniors competition. But um, what I've, I've been, as you can imagine, as a, an Olympics fan, I've been um, watching more TV than I should lately um, and watching these great, phenomenal athletes, wonderful young people who have dedicated, dedicated so much of their lives to this one moment, to getting to Rio in 2016. I, I mean, people talk about it being four years of training. In some cases, it's a lot more than four years of training that has got them there. And it got me thinking. In fact, over the weekend, there were there were three instances. And uh, these all involve British athletes. So forgive me if you think I'm being parochial in this. But th- these are what come to mind instantly. Over the weekend, it was the heptathlon for the women. And we had two wonderful young women in there. Jess Ennis-Hills, who four years ago in London, won gold for the UK. And we had her new young rival, Katerina Johnson-Thompson. I, mean, I say rival, they're, they're great friends, but obviously on in track and field, they're rivals. And this girl has so much promise. She's 23 years of age. And she had a not very good competition. In fact, she had a, a pretty bad competition. But there was one event, there was one event that not only did she set a new personal best, she set a new national record in the high jump for women. A new British national record in the high jump for women was set by a heptathlete, not by somebody who specialises in high jump. Now get that for a moment. She has to be not just good, but great at six other sports. Six other sports, yet she still managed to set a national record. Now, on the last day of competition, when Katerina could see the, the competition falling away from her, you could see she was distraught, absolutely distraught. Yet, less than 24 hours earlier, she had set a new national record. Now, that's the level that these guys are competing at. And, and after the event, you could see she was upset that she not only hadn't won gold, she hadn't won a medal at all. At one stage in the competition, in fact, after the that event, after the high jump, which was after two events, she was top of the shop. She was number one on the on the points board. But after that, she fell away, firstly to bronze and then on down. Cat's poor events are throwing events. It's the javelin and it's the shot put. And you could see 
it had all fallen away from her. Now, during the last couple of events, you could uh, uh, she looked distraught, she looked tired, she looked as though she wanted to be anywhere but Rio at that moment. Thankfully, in the interview shortly afterwards, she had cheered up a little bit because Jess had actually gone to her and said, look, you know, you're 23. When I was 23, I was rubbish at those as well. You know, I won a gold last time, so stick with it. And, and that seemed to lift her. Now, I know she probably knew that, but she needed to be told it. And that lifted her. So in the post-event interview, she was a little bit raised, but she was still pretty down. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that when Kat gets to reflect, she's going to say, hey, I went to Rio and set a new national record. I jumped higher than any British woman had ever jumped before. That's not so bad. That's not so bad, is it? I'm the national record holder. So I'm hoping that for Kat, that she will realise that she's done a wonderful thing. She has done a truly wonderful thing, and it's still very early in her career. She'll be in Tokyo in in four years' time, and she'll be fighting for that gold. Whether Jess will be there, I don't know. I'm hoping so. Jess went on to win silver. She wasn't able to win gold again, but she went on to win silver. And she, you could tell, was disappointed, but she wasn't distraught. She knows. Jess is old enough and experienced enough to know what a great thing she's achieved. Jess now has a child and she's going to give some thought over the next few days, weeks and months about whether she wants to compete again in the heptathlon because it is such a time commitment. And as I say, she has a young baby now and she is a mum and that's she sees as her primary role, being a mum now. So she has to decide whether she wants to compete again. I hope she makes the right decision for her. I'd love to see her compete again. She's a wonderful competitor, but I hope she makes the right decision for her and her baby. They are far, far more important than a medal to hang around your neck. Now, another guy who immediately after his event was feeling pretty disappointed was Greg Rutherford, who is the British long jumper. I mentioned earlier that long jump was was my sport, and so obviously I took a particular interest in this. Greg was a gold medalist in London in 2012, on the day that was actually named Super Saturday here in the UK, because we won so many uh, medals. Three gold medals came in track and field on the same Saturday. Uh, We'd already won gold medals out on the water that day, but uh, three more came within about 40 minutes of each other. There was Mo Farah, who won the 10,000 metres, there was Jess Ennis, who won the heptathlon, and Greg Rutherford, who won the long jump. Now, Mo, I should mention, and I really must mention Mo, because he is my sporting hero, <laughs> Mo went on to repeat his feat on Saturday. He won the 10,000 metres on Saturday, but we'll talk about Mo another time. He's not going to feature in this one. This is about near misses, if you like. Greg, on the other hand, was unable to secure gold this time around. In fact, he got a, a bronze. He came close. He came very close. He was leading for a while. And he looked as though he wouldn't get a medal at all. When one young guy from the US, and forgive me, I can't remember his name. That's appalling, isn't it? I should have looked it up. But one new and exciting jumper from the US who is going to do great things. I mean, really great things. He jumped and he seemed to almost out jump the pit. He was so far ahead of everybody else. But it's a peculiar thing in long jumping that the distance is not measured to where your feet land. 
the distance is measured to where you touch the sand first, the shortest distance at where you touch the sand. And this young athlete, while his feet had landed well beyond anybody else's, in order to get that extra distance, had thrown his arms back because you remember action and reaction, that sort of stuff. Well, to move yourself forward, you push your arms back. And his hand had caught the sand. So while he looked as though he jumped about 8 metres 50, he was measured at 7 metres 78. He didn't know that he'd done it. His coach didn't know he'd done it. His coach, in fact, went absolutely crazy when that measurement came up. Went absolutely crazy. And do you know who went and explained it to the coach and calmed his coach down? It wasn't one of the officials. No, it was Greg. Greg had the presence of mind to see that somebody was upset, somebody was angry, somebody was... Well, I don't know the word, but I mean, he was beside himself. Greg had the presence of mind at that moment to set aside his own concerns, set aside the fact that he wasn't having the great day at the office. that He was having a pretty good day, but he wasn't having the great day at the office that he'd hoped. And he went over and explained calmly to the coach what had happened. Now, in his interview afterwards, Greg broke down. I mean, because these athletes put so much into getting there and put so much into their dream of getting a gold medal. So he broke down. But here's the thing. Greg has got a young family. How these athletes mix having a family, being a parent, with the intense training commitments that they have. I I can't even begin to imagine. They're already winners just for doing that. But he has a family now, and he will go home, and he will surround himself in their warmth and love, and they will lift him up, I know. But he was down at that moment. But I can tell you, he has achieved such wonderful things. He won gold back four years ago. And that was the first time in 48 years a British athlete had won gold in the long jump. Very nearly 50 years had passed. Two generations had passed since a British athlete had won gold in the long jump. So I I will always be indebted to Craig Rutherford for doing that for us. So look, Craig, if you get to listen to this, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. What I'll ask you to do is leave me a review. But Greg, listen, you, you made this old guy very happy and uh, you don't owe us anything. I hope you'll continue and get another gold in Tokyo because that has particular resonance for me because that is my first memory. As I've told you, that's my first memory of the Olympics. 1964 Tokyo Olympics, Lynn Davis winning gold for Britain. So I hope you go and repeat Lynn's feet, but I totally understand if you never want to see another sandpit again. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. Now, I mentioned there were three athletes. Uh, the other was actually a gymnast. That was Lewis Smith, the wonderful gymnast. He'd won bronze before and he'd won silver in London. And yesterday he was hoping to complete the set and win gold in the pommel horse event. But he didn't. It was another Brit. It was Max Whitlock who won gold, which was fantastic because Max, only 30 minutes earlier, had also won gold on the floor. Now, I don't know where you, where you are, where you're listening to this, what nationality you are, and you're probably thinking, well, okay, it happens all the time. Let me tell you, we had never, never in the UK had a British gold medal in gymnastics. And he won two within half an hour. And Lewis won silver. Lewis was crushed. 
absolutely crushed because he wanted that gold. He'd left gymnastics for a while after 2012 when he won silver. And then he came back and there was a lot of negative press about Lewis. Saying he's taking time out, why should he just be allowed to swan back in? He didn't just swan back in, he fought for his place. He fought for his place to be there representing Great Britain and Northern Ireland at the Olympics. Now, in the team event, he messed up, quite frankly. But he manned up, you know, he fessed up to that. He said, you know, I messed up. But of course, he got slated again. Now, the thing is that most of the people who are writing those articles and commenting on social media or whatever have never done anything remotely close to what Lewis has done. Or any of the athletes that are there in Rio at the moment. Not even close. They cannot even begin to understand the commitment that it takes to get to an Olympics. But Lewis, as I say, was broken immediately after that. And you could see at the medal ceremony as well, he, his heart wasn't fully in it. He want, he'd wanted that gold. But again, my hope is that Lewis this morning, or sometime soon, is able to reflect and say, you know, this has been fantastic. Gymnastics has taken me all over the world. I have been almost solely responsible for the revival of gymnastics in the UK and for the huge upswell of interest in gymnastics because if it hadn't been for Lewis, so many gymnasts, so many British gymnasts, and we now have a strong gymnastics team, so many gymnasts just wouldn't have taken up the sport because Lewis inspired them to do so. So I'm hoping Lewis can console himself with that. I'm hoping Lewis recognises that it was through his grit, determination, focus, whatever you want to call it, that we now have a great British men's gymnastics team. And the same can be said for Beth Tweddle in the women. Look, this seems awfully sports-oriented. It's not meant for that. But I will continue talking about sports just for a moment. I just checked this morning. And the, oh, by the way, the reason I'm recording this early is because for the first night in several that I didn't stay up till about three, four o'clock in the morning watching because the time difference between the UK and Brazil. So I went to bed uh, a little bit earlier last night. So this morning I'm going to be watching the repeat of last night's <laughs> what happened overnight. So uh, I'll be taking off to sit myself in front of the TV again. I feel very guilty and very decadent about this. But hey, you know, once every four years. Can't hurt, can it? But I checked and the number of athletes competing in Rio. How many do you think are there? from all over the world, the number of athletes competing in Rio. Well, I can tell you, it's 11,563. 11,563. How many events do you think they're going to lead to gold medals out there? 306. <laughs> 306 events. There are going to be 306 gold medals awarded. Now, some of those events, obviously, are team events. So let's say there are 600 athletes who actually get a gold medal. That still means around 11,000 athletes will be going home without a gold medal. So let me ask you a question. Are they all failures? Are that 11,000 all failures? Of course not. Of course not. They have achieved incredible things. Just by being there, they've proved themselves amazing and above everybody else in their country. So what this all boils down to is, what, it, what everything boils down to is, have you decided yet how you're going to live your life on purpose? Have you yet decided what it is you're going to do? Have you yet decided what your goals are? 
And are they big enough? You know, somebody once told me, if your goals don't scare the heck out of you, they're not big enough. Look, I'm not here to push you beyond where you actually want to go. I'm not here to push you beyond what you're actually prepared to do. Because I, I can't do that. Only you can decide what's big enough for you, what you're prepared to give up. And don't think for one moment you're not going to have to give up certain things if you want to go after your goals. You've got to decide what's more important, the things that you're giving up or the goals that you're chasing. And that's what these athletes do, isn't it? These athletes on a wet Thursday evening in November in the UK decide to give up an evening slumped in front of the soap operas or an evening out with friends at dinner or whatever to go out on a 10-mile run in the wet, in the cold, in the dark. They decide that. That's the choice they make. So there are choices you're going to have to make. Now, the reason I bring up those athletes that fell short of the goals they'd set themselves is to illustrate that compared to almost everybody else on this planet, they're still amazing successes. They're still amazing successes. You know, there's a quote from Les Brown, although I think there are other people that have said it before him, but it's often attributed to Les Brown. And if, if you don't know who Les Brown is, seek him out. He is one of the most entertaining speakers and one of the most inspirational speakers you will ever get to hear. A guy called Les Brown. Anyway, Les Brown says, and hang on a second, I'm just going to click on here to get it up because I want to get this right because most often I mangle quotes. If you listen to this, you'll know I mangle quotes and forgive me for that, but I, I hope I get the gist over there. But this one, this one is too important to mangle. What Les says is, most people fail in life not because they aim too high and miss, but because they aim too low and hit. I'm going to say that again. I can't say it with the same vim and vigour that, that Les says it, but here it is again. Most people fail in life not because they aim too high and miss, but because they aim too low and hit. Don't aim too low. Aim as high as you dare. Because even if you fall short, you'll still get higher up there than if you aim too low. Now, there's another quote, a similar, another linked quote. And again, I'm sorry, this has been very sports-oriented, hasn't it? This is from Vince Lombardi, who, if you're like me and not in the US, you may not be aware of Vince Lombardi, but Vince Lombardi was a, a great American football coach, a real thinker. And Vince Lombardi said, most people fail, not because of lack of desire, but because of lack of commitment. So there's two things I'd ask you on this Monday morning. Aim high and commit. Can you do that? Of course you can. Hey, thank you for listening. If this has been useful to you, if you've enjoyed listening to this, head over to iTunes and subscribe. That way you're not going to miss another episode. And tell your friends about it. Because look, why keep it to yourself? While you're over on iTunes, leave me a review. Tell me what you like best about it and leave me a bunch of stars. The reason I ask you that, and I've told you this many times before, it's not to stroke my ego. It's great for me on a Monday morning to see that I've got a five-star review. Couldn't be a better start to the week, could there? But it's not for that purpose. The reason I ask you to leave a rating and a review is so that this podcast can move higher in the rankings and that makes it easier to find for other people. That way, more people will be helped by the podcast. See, it's a circular thing. It's, it's your way of paying it forward, if that's okay. So leave me a review so that other people can find it. If you want to get in touch, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter, 
at Aussie Air, or you can email me, Aussie at whensmytime.com. That's Aussie at whensmytime.com. Talking of whensmytime.com, head over there and you'll see that available to you at the moment is a free video that I've put up there. It's around about 40 minutes long, and in it, I reveal the top 10 things I've learned since I decided to leave corporate life back in 2010. Thanks again for listening. I've been Aussie Air, founder of whensmytime.com. And I'm here to tell you, your time is now.